Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, Colts fans. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get notified when a new show goes live. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show, and please review as well. That helps get more eyes and ears on the show for us. Thank you guys for joining me. I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving and a happy Native American Heritage Day to you as well. On today's show, we talk all about the Colts hosting the Tennessee Titans this Sunday. These two teams played just two weeks ago down in Nashville, which was a 34-17 win for the Colts on Thursday Night Football. You might not think much has changed between the two sides, but I actually dig into that with Stoney Keeley from the Sobros Network again. You'll remember him from the show a couple weeks ago. It seems like I've said this every pregame show for the last several weeks, but this is a big one for the Colts. Them and the Titans are tied at 7-3 atop the AFC South, but the Colts hold the tiebreaker right now. If the Colts win Sunday, it puts them a full game up on Tennessee, and it helps them control their destiny the remainder of the regular season. If the Colts lose, they also lose control of the division. Before moving forward, let's hear from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. The Colts are currently three-point favorites in this one with a total point over under of 51.5. I like the Colts, their points, and the over in this one. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now for some game info for you. This game is on Sunday, November 29th at Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis. On TV, it's on CBS. It's called by Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn. On the radio locally, it's on WFNI and WLHK with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, and Bill Brooks on the call. It's also on ESPN Radio again this week with Mark Kestisher and Barrett Jones calling it. The referee crew this week is John Hussey's group, who is is in his 19th year as an NFL official. This ought to be a little more refreshing for Colts fans after last week. Hussey's crew ranks 12th out of 17 in the most penalties called at just 11.8 per game. For reference, Sean Hockley's crew, who the Colts had last week, ranks 4th with 13.9 per game. Thanks to Rotowire for that information. 
all time. The Colts are 35 and 16 against the Titans, including 0 for 1 in the playoffs. The Colts have won four of the last five matchups dating back to 2018. The Titans' stats leaders, Ryan Tannehill is their leading passer with 2,387 yards. Rushing, of course, is Derrick Henry with 1,079. He's also number one in the NFL. Receiving is Corey Davis with 549 yards. Touchdowns, again, that's Derrick Henry. He has nine. Tackles, that's linebacker Jayon Brown. He has 76. Sacks, Harold Landry III has three and a half. And Amani Hooker leads them in interceptions with three. Offensively, the Titans rank first in turnovers. They have just five. They're fifth in rushing with 151.1 yards per game. They're sixth in red zone scoring at 71.8%. They are tied for seventh in sacks allowed at 15 and on fourth downs at 71.4%. They are 10th in scoring at 27.9 points per game and on third downs with 44.5%. On the defensive side of the ball, it's not going as smooth as the offense. Uh, They are, however, tied for seventh in takeaways with 15 but then they're 25th in overall defense at 388.9 yards per game, 26th in red zone scoring at 39.2%. They're 27th against the pass at 267.4 yards per game and on fourth downs, allowing 68.8%. They are 30th in sacks with just 12, and they're dead last in third down defense, allowing a 54% conversion rate. Some milestones within reach for the Colts in, in this one. Uh, quarterback Phillip Rivers needs one start to pass Eli Manning and to tie Charles Woodson for the ninth most game started in NFL history. Uh, Manning currently is at 234 and Charles Woodson had 235. Rivers also needs one game with three plus touchdown passes to tie Dan Marino for the sixth most such games in NFL history. Marino had 62. Rivers also needs one game with a passer rating of at least 100 to pass Brett Favre for the fourth most such games in NFL history. Favre and Rivers both have 108. Uh, Rivers tied Favre last week against the Packers. And Rivers also needs one more game with at least 400 yards passing to tie Ben Roethlisberger for the fourth most such games in NFL history at 12. Colts running back Naheem Hines needs two catches to pass Reggie Wayne for the seventh most receptions for a Colts player in their first three seasons. Reggie had 144. Uh, T.Y. Hilton needs one touchdown to pass Dallas Clark for the 11th most total touchdowns in franchise history. Uh, Clark had 46. And rookie kicker Rodrigo Blankenship needs just one point on Sunday to tie Raul Alegre for the second most consecutive games with a score by a rookie in franchise history, Allegra had 11. For storylines in this game, this is a big one for injuries and ailments. As of Thursday for the Colts, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Bobby Okereke, Zach Paschal, Phillip Rivers, and Kari Willis all have yet to practice this week due to various injuries. It could be that the Colts feel more comfortable sitting these guys during the week since they just played each other two weeks ago, and that maybe this week of practice isn't as critical as a normal week would be since there's a, a familiarity there. Uh, so we'll we'll see what their, their availability is on Sunday, and of course Friday afternoon the, the injury report will come out. 
Danico Autry and DeForest Buckner are both still on the COVID reserve list. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, as of Friday morning, Buckner is on it because he actually tested positive and therefore will be out on Sunday. Uh, we really still don't know about Autry yet, but he's been on there since last week. As for the Titans, they're going through it as well. Uh, neither wide receiver A.J. Brown or right tackle Dennis Kelly have practiced yet this week as of Thursday because of injuries. Linebackers Jayon Brown and Jadavian Clowney now are both on injured reserve as well as is left tackle Ty Sambrello, who was filling in for Taylor Lewan, who is also on IR. So that's that's a big change from just two weeks ago. Uh, the, the Titans had all those guys out there on the field. Now they don't, So other, other than Lewan, of course. Uh, because of all the injuries and COVID stuff, I normally would look at some, some one-on-one matchups I like this one, but I'm going to steer clear of individual matchups. And rather, we'll just kind of focus on some broader subjects to look for on both sides of the ball here in a bit. Next up, let's dig into our conversation with Nashville's true sweetheart, Stoney Keeley of the Sobros Network, who covers the Titans. Uh, Also, you're going to hear in this clip, don't worry about all the tip-tapping and whining that you're going to hear in the background. Uh, That is just the official dog of the podcast, Lucy, not laying down and not having any chill. All right, Colts fans, we are back here with Stoney Keeley. Uh, you might remember him from a couple weeks ago. He covers the Titans. Uh, he's the head honcho of Sobros Network. Uh, Stoney, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty well. Feeling pretty good after after that win in Baltimore, smacking the Ravens around twice in the same calendar year. It wasn't the... Um, it wasn't the beating they laid on him in the playoffs in January, but I will take a Derrick Henry uh, gut check run in overtime just the same. Right, yeah. So the, these these Colts and Titans, they played each other two weeks ago. You can say it was a close game. The, the Titans had them in the first half. The Colts dominated the second half, so kind of evened each other out. Colts lost close to the Ravens. You guys just beat the Ravens, and then we both won in overtime. So things are traveling and kind of kind of even killed for those two teams holding serve holding serve absolutely so obviously we're pretty familiar with the teams by now again they just played each other two weeks ago um not a lot's changed both teams won their matchup last week in overtime so this sunday's game once again is for the afc south lead um, I, I can't imagine that that a whole lot is, has changed for you guys, but did you notice anything different in the Titans game against the Ravens last week that maybe they cleaned up as a result from losing to the Colts the week before? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. I think we we saw the Titans defense kind of respond in anger, so to speak. They were really up for this Ravens game. And it's one of sort of the unheralded rivalries. I don't think a lot of people around the NFL realize it, but amongst the two fan bases, Titans Ravens is a big hateful kind of game. Mm -hmm. So you saw the defense really play a more physical style than we'd seen it before. Specifically, I, I would give a game ball to Rashawn Evans, who had drawn a bit of criticism from Titans fans throughout the course of the season for being quote unquote invisible. But he really showed up in that game and run support. And it felt like every every other play they were calling his name. And when you get 
a, a physical tone setting performance like that. And then your, your defense responds around you and they're able to really kind of frustrate the reigning MVP. Uh, the defense was working at its best, I would say, outside of maybe the Buffalo game earlier in the season. I, I think this was an aggressive, angry, really inspired performance by the Titans defense, and we haven't seen that a lot this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point you make. That's kind of a, a secret rivalry. I, I I go back to seeing the, the Super Bowl run the Ravens went on, I think, in 2000. I just picture Ray Lewis versus Eddie George. Oh man. And then you've, you've oh, got yeah. little seeds throughout there, like the Steve McNair stuff. Like, yeah. Well, and then in 2008, they meet in the divisional round. The, the Titans were 13 and three that year, the top seed in the AFC. That was probably the best chance the Titans had of making a Super Bowl since the days of Steve and Eddie. And the Ravens go out there and injure Chris Johnson. I'm a bitter Titans fan. I'm going to say it was on purpose. But you take down Chris Johnson and then Algie Crumpler drops a pass and the Ravens upset the best Titans team that we've probably seen in a decade. Uh, it, it, there's some there's some some bad blood between these two teams. Well, I mean, thank you guys for for beating them and maybe sending them down, down a peg <laughs> since they had a tiebreaker. Um so the, the offensive line for the Titans still a little shaky. There's some new injuries. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're down Taylor Lewan to begin with the, the all pro left tackle. It's a huge loss and, and we've seen it affect this offense on the field. Ty Sembrio, I thought was doing a serviceable job filling in for him, but now he's hurt, which means they're down to their third left tackle, David Questenberry, a guy who's a really good athlete. And I thought he played well in relief of Sembrio against the Ravens. Aaron Brewer in at left guard for Roger Saffold. So your whole left side of your offensive line is down now. And they both played well against the Ravens, but when you're talking about depth players getting chances like this, you just wonder how long they're going to be able to sustain it. So I think uh, moving forward, there is going to be some creativity on the part of Art Smith to try and figure out new ways to kind of retool this offense to play uh, maybe masking that side of the line, maybe more tight ends to the left, maybe more receivers in line blocking. I know they use Cameron Batson in a few packages early on against the Ravens. So you might see a little extra help on that side of the line moving forward, but the right side of the line uh, still, still playing pretty steady at this point. Yeah. The, the Colts have their own kind of oddity on the right side right now. Braden Smith popped up with a thumb injury in practice. Uh, he mm. missed the game. LaRaven Clark started out at right tackle, but then they switched to uh, to Chaz Green in the second half. They said that was kind of by plan, which is a little odd, but we'll we'll see what goes on this week. Hopefully, Braden Smith is back. Uh, speaking of you know offensive line play and what that facilitates, it's obviously the strength of the team. But when the Colts and Titans played two weeks ago, did you feel at all like the Titans were kind of sticking with the run to a fault in the second half? I don't think so because I think there was an attempt to kind of fix the offense. And in order to do that, you do have to get back to your bread and butter a little bit. And then it didn't really help that your best playmaker is dropping a couple balls. Anthony Ferks are usually a reliable chain mover for this offense, dropped a couple balls. And when you're not getting that sort of contribution from your playmakers, 
I, I think it does sort of limit what you can do offensively. And in their mind, they're probably saying, hey, Eric Henry's our best guy left. We just need to ride him out, and that's going to give us our best chance to succeed because we've seen it several times before, particularly in close games. When you get later in the game, they just ride Henry out, punch it in, and go up a touchdown and, and just ride that out. So I think it was sort of – I don't think it was to a fault – I, I think there have been some criticisms of Art Smith and company in town saying, hey, you know, we, we do need to get some of our playmakers more involved. But I think it was just a night when things weren't working for the passing game. So you had to do what gave you the best chance to win. Yeah, I, that last part, I, I was about to I was about to echo that, you know, that the run game, it was working with Derrick Henry. He had over 100 yards. The passing game just wasn't. You mentioned there were some drops. Uh, A.J. Brown had just one catch. Corey Davis did all right. But in general, the passing game just wasn't clicking. So they were kind of trying to get back to their baseline. But uh, I, I just think the, the clock probably just ran out on them on yeah. that, uh, on that, obviously. So what is the biggest thing that you think the Titans would need to correct this week in order to actually close it out and beat the Colts um, that they didn't do a couple weeks ago? I, I think two things on offense, uh, like we were just talking about, I think you have to get your playmakers fed, get them involved early and just keep feeding them the ball. We saw what that meant for the offense when Derrick Henry, uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis were all on on Sunday. It made this offense look completely different than it did the week before against the Indianapolis Colts. So I think you got to get those playmakers involved and they've got to step up and make plays. And then on defense, You've got to have some sort of answer for the quick, shifty running backs. We saw at the first meeting, Hines absolutely torched the Titans. And then even though they won the game on Sunday, J.K. Dobbins was able to have some success against this defense that's still allowing a lot of space. And they've got to, they've got to get that corrected or else I think it's going to be more of the same. Yeah, when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, you had, you had hoped the run game would not get started up in that matchup <laughs> yeah and although I mean it wasn't it wasn't one guy dominating it and there was a lot of Naheem Hines in, in the receiving game but Jonathan Taylor did just have that nice game uh last last week against the Packers you know he had he had 22 carries for 90 yards and I don't know if you saw but the amount of holding calls that that got yeah. called, unbelievable so he probably could have gone for a buck 25 a buck 50 if not for all the unrelated holding calls that didn't really have anything to do with the the hole he was going into. Um, but no, so I, I guess that's something the Colts know they can establish again. And maybe, maybe that happens. Uh, is, is there any reason, you know, what's your optimism level? Is there any reason for you to think the Titans do change it and take this one home? I think they can. Uh, I don't know that I'm confident enough to say that they will, I think they can if the same team that shows up in Baltimore uh, shows up again on Sunday because that was an inspired football team that was fired up. They were playing angry. They were executing well. You didn't see the the special teams gaffes, like the 17-yard the punt. You didn't see the, the punt, the, the coverage whiffed and blocked for a touchdown. You didn't see the missed field goals. A.J. Brown wasn't dropping sure touchdowns those sort of things. So I think if they can clean those up and really, I know it's asking a lot, it's going to sound silly coming out of my mouth, but if they can keep the Colts run game 
from the the steady trajectory that it's on after the last two weeks. I think they have a shot to to make a couple more plays than the Colts do, but uh, I wouldn't say that I'm optimistic about a win on Sunday just yet. And you you mentioned something I, I forgot that I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, I don't think us on the Colts side of things really understood how bad things are going on the special team side at specifically punting for the Titans. Um, yeah. That reared its head on, on Thursday. Uh, what, how, how did that go against the Ravens? Was there any leveling out or, or are you still scared about it? No, it was a lot better. I mean, you, you really didn't see the big mistake. Uh, they didn't, they didn't have to really punt uh, too much anyway. And, and Trevor Daniel was, was serviceable. Uh, Goskowski wasn't missing field goals or anything like that. I, I think you feel like uh, they they got a lot better. They even I don't know if you saw they even executed a, a fake punt and they went for it. They they snuck Logan Woodside, the backup quarterback, into the game. Some for some reason the Ravens didn't think anything was weird about like <laughs> putting the backup quarterback in on on punt coverage, and they snapped the ball to him and he completes the pass and they convert the first down, keep the drive going that eventually leads to points. So there was really like a night and day difference between the Colts game and the Ravens game on special teams. Well, that's, that's good for you guys then. Cause the, the Colts special teams coverage is pretty good. So we'll, we'll see if they think they have the secret sauce to that or not. Uh, but stones, that's all I got for you, buddy. My man. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Colts fans. Absolutely. You should be uh, following Sobros network by now. Also, you'll want to check out the unofficial Titans pod, especially leading up this week. Thanks again to Stoney for joining me. Thanks again to my buddy Stoney for joining us. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Stoney Keeley and at Sobros Network and check out the unofficial Titans podcast as well. Now, further into this matchup on the Colts side, offensively, I think the concept is simple. Stick to the run like you did last week against the Packers and control this game from start to finish that way. Jonathan Taylor is coming off a big day last week, and Naheem Hines had the best game of his career against the Titans two weeks ago. Use the threat of the run game to set up chunk passing plays with play action. In the last matchup, that helped the Colts pick up 133 yards rushing, while Phillip Rivers threw for 308 yards. Defensively, the Titans don't give up a lot of sacks, but they are down to their third left tackle, and their right tackle is dealing with a knee injury uh, that has kept them from practicing consistently for a little while now. Yes, you're not going to have DeForest Buckner this weekend, but he's not the Colts' only good defensive lineman. I'm looking at Justin Houston, Tyquan Lewis, and Al-Kadeen Muhammad to step up specifically, and hopefully Kamoko Toure can keep getting more playing time after his 10 snaps in his debut last week. You obviously have to focus on Derrick Henry in the run game as well. Uh, the Titans had 157 rushing yards against the Colts two weeks ago, including 103 from Henry. But you know what? That's all they had, and the Colts kicked their ass in the second half because of it. Making the Titans offense one-dimensional, even if that one dimension is their biggest strength, is fine. And now it's time for the fantasy football portion of the show. This week on AllColts.com, I highlighted the pairing of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines at running back, as well as Michael Pittman Jr. at receiver and the Colts defense. Hines has been on a tear lately and had the best game of his career against the Titans just two weeks ago, like we already mentioned, 
and the Titans' defense is even weaker now with Clowney and Brown out. Taylor is also coming off a strong performance last week, and I wouldn't be surprised if the formula for the Colts this week is to run the ball 30-35 to times. Both these guys catch passes as well, so they're strong plays in PPR formats. People aren't talking much about it yet, but Pittman is kind of becoming the Colts wide receiver one right in front of our eyes. In his last three games, he's been fully unleashed from his calf injury, and he's been the Colts' leading receiver as a result. In that time, he leads the Colts in pass targets and yards from scrimmage, and he leads their receivers in touches and is tied for the lead in touchdowns. As for the Colts' defense, they've been a strong play pretty much every week this season, and they rank in the top five in the league in overall defense, rushing, passing, scoring, defensive and special teams touchdowns, and safeties. They also average 2.2 sacks and 1.7 takeaways per game. Now for around the league, the, my booms and busts of the week. Uh, the booms, of course, are some guys who should outperform their rankings, and the busts are guys who might underperform in their rankings. Uh, booms, Colts quarterback Phillip Rivers versus the Titans. Falcons running back Todd Gurley versus the Raiders. Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore against the Vikings. Busts, uh, this one already kind of... It's kind of already decided a little bit because the Ravens are having just a COVID freak out. Uh, so Ravens and Steelers really looks like it's in jeopardy. Uh, but prior to all that unfolding, I had Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson versus the Steelers as a bust. Uh, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup versus the 49ers. And the Browns defense against the Jaguars. For some reason, I just think, you know, the, the Browns are kind of susceptible to letdowns and maybe that Jaguars offense does just enough to, to make the Browns defense a bad play. It's a risk, but it's, you know, it's it's inconsequential for the most part. Guys, I am adding off the waiver wire. Uh, the following guys are owned in 40% or less of Yahoo leagues. Uh, Packers wide receivers, Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Panthers quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. 49ers tight end Jordan Reed and Broncos wide receiver KJ Hamler. All right, now it's time to answer your questions that you guys sent me on Twitter. And you are damn right I threw in a little 50 Cent as the new theme song for this segment. We had to spice it up a little bit. Uh, first question is from uh, Devon. He said, when is the NFL officiating going to start calling stuff that's blatantly obvious? Uh, so for those of you who don't know what this is in reference to, uh, the Colts got a ton of penalties last week, particularly like five in one drive uh, when they were trying to milk the clock and the refs just started calling holding calls anytime that the Colts uh, wanted to run. And if the officiating crew is going to be aggressive and, and call penalties on both teams, that's fine. Like you kind of expect that. Uh, but there were some blatant things missed on the Packers side. Like, uh, for example, Aaron Rodgers, with, with under two minutes left, he chucked a 50-yard bomb uh, right to midfield out of out of his own end zone. And that allowed the Packers uh, a lot more leeway to, to kick a game-time field goal. But both of Green Bay's offensive tackles were holding the Colts' defensive ends. The right tackle had Justin Houston... Totally horizontal, off his feet in the air. And then uh, David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, uh, had both of Al-Kadeem Muhammad's shoulders wrapped up. And and speaking of Bakhtiari, he was 
jumping early and going into his kick slide before the ball was snapped more often than he wasn't, it seemed, and I don't think he got called for it once. Um, so more than that being a legit question, I think it was more of a gripe, but I'm, I'm glad we got to talk more about it. Uh, next question is also from Devon. He said, do you have any confidence in the Titans defense against Phillip Rivers? He's honestly probably the best pre-snap quarterback and he can manipulate a defense, especially ones that aren't good. I think he'll be just fine in this game. Uh, he had a nice combination of yards per pass attempt and completion percentage in the last matchup. And like we've said already, Tennessee's defense has gotten weaker in that time. Uh, I think the Colts' run game will set up some nice plays for Rivers in play action. Next question is from Andrew Miller. He said, what are your thoughts on Rocky Sin? He is the second most penalized indie player back-to-back years. Is it a technique that he needs to work on or a mental issue? I think it's honestly a little of both. Uh, he's a pretty good cover corner, to be honest with you. I'd rather have a guy like him who's a little more aggressive than passive uh, because he's aggressive at playing the ball as well. And you saw that when he intercepted Rodgers last week. He's just a physical, grabby guy, and it's a habit that he's got to get broken of, but I do think it's doable. Next question is from Colts Nation. Bigger game for Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines? Uh, I view them pretty close, but I think this might finally be the big Taylor performance we've been waiting on. Uh, Not that he hasn't had any big games yet, but this could be like the 125-plus yard game. If Taylor is having that production, then it probably means he's dominating the backfield looks. But that's not to say that Hines couldn't still have a nice day despite that. But I think wishful thinking says Jonathan Taylor has the bigger game. But honestly, whatever leads to them getting a win is, is fine by me. Next question is from Elson Tracy. Do you think that we'll see a similar package for Jacoby Brissett this week? I think that they have ran that every time that he has been in the game so far. Do you think Frank Reich will dial up a couple play action plays for Jacoby this week? Uh, If I had to guess, I'd say no, because they just did it somewhat heavily against the Packers. I don't know that it'll be an every week or every other week thing, because, you know, you kind of, you've got to keep it fresh and not overdo it. Uh, it, It's the reason that something like the Wildcat had such a short, you know, it had such a short lifespan uh, back when the Dolphins were doing it. We may not see the Colts do a bigger package for Jacoby for at least a few weeks. Uh, I could be dead wrong, though. Who knows? Frank Reich is one of the most unpredictable play callers in the NFL. Next one uh, from Jonathan Gladish. I've always felt it's pretty difficult to beat a good team twice in a season, especially with a short turnaround. What changes do you see the Colts making to counter the adjustments the Titans will make based off of the Thursday night game? Uh, That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, So it was kind of a tale of two halves in that last game. The Colts defense completely shut the Titans down in the second half, uh, even though they were trailing from the first half. The Colts didn't force any turnovers in that game, and they only sacked Ryan Tannehill once. I think without DeForest Buckner, it could force defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus to get a little more creative or aggressive with how they generate pressure, uh, because when everyone's healthy, they can just rush four mostly, and and it works well. Uh, But if they're getting to Tannehill more often in this game, then that probably, you know, increases the risk for for turnovers on the the Titans side of things. That would be probably the biggest difference. Uh, Tim McCord is up next. He said, what is Hot Rod's range? I can't get that short 50-yarder out of my head. 
So I'm not in the stadium for games this year or at practice due to COVID restrictions, so I can't see what his range is in practice or warm-ups before the games. Uh, but I think he's got similar range to Adam Vinatieri. He's not a guy that you want out there for like a, to attempt like a 65-yarder, but he could get you a 58-60-yarder to 60 yarder if someone's life is on the line, you know? Uh, in college, Rodrigo Blankenship was 6 of 9 from 50 yards or more. And he had a long of 55 yards. So I think he's capable. It's just, you know, that was only like his second or third 50-yard attempt this season. Next question is from Matthias Dahl. Who will have more rushing yards in this game, Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor? Uh, I'd have to say Henry will have more. Just it's so much more likely, you know. Uh, his big breakout is in 2018 in Week 14 against the Jaguars. And he's, he's basically been hot ever since then. But in that game, he had 238 rushing yards. Including that game, in the 32 games since then, he's hit 100 yards or more in 16 of them. That means in basically two full seasons since then, he has rushed for 100 yards in half of his games. That's crazy. Uh, the next question is from the Uncle Gandhi. It looks like we can finally say the offense is starting to roll. Is there anything that we haven't seen yet from this offense? What else do you think Frank has up his sleeve? Uh, so I think the biggest missing ingredients that we haven't really seen consistently is the deep downfield pass. Uh, they've got T.Y. Hilton and Marcus Johnson who can both do it. And Trey Burton is a potential seam destroyer as a tight end. Uh, we haven't seen that consistently enough. Although we have seen it at times, um, that's just one element that hasn't been clicking. And we also haven't seen any of those enormous rushing performances yet, like 200 yards or so, uh, that we, we got used to seeing occasionally over the last few years. And then the last question here is from Sam L. Do you have any indication of if the playing time for Jonathan Taylor was a hot hand game script thing last week or an intentional choice to get him more touches? Uh, you know, Frank Reich said that was, you know, it's frustrating for fantasy owners, yeah, but that's just how they roll. You know, they, they like to rotate different guys. I don't know. I, I think Hot Hand plays a big part in it. Uh, I do think it was a little of both. I think they probably acknowledged within themselves that Taylor was not getting the ball enough. And at the same time, they needed to establish the run earlier in the game. The Packers did jump out to a big lead, uh, but the Colts knew they could do damage on the ground if they used Taylor. He was doing well, and then he did have the hot hand, so they just kept running him in the second half. Midway through the year, he was having some nice runs and was getting better, but the Colts had to abandon the run because of big deficits, and they were kind of frustrated they couldn't use him more. Uh, I think last week was just a screw it, we need to see what he can do type of thing. Well, thank you guys so much for your questions this week once again. Next up, I figured I'd start sharing my weekly picks with you guys. I've been doing alright on my picks through Tally site, so I figured I may as well start sharing my thoughts a little bit. Uh, so on the Thanksgiving games, I picked Houston over Detroit. We got that one. Dallas over Washington. I absolutely did not get that one. Uh, Pittsburgh over Baltimore. Again, this game seems incredibly unlikely to be played due to COVID, due to a COVID outbreak for the Ravens, but if they were to play, I got the Steelers. Las Vegas over Atlanta. Buffalo over the Los Angeles Chargers. New York Giants over Cincinnati. Indianapolis over Tennessee. Minnesota over Carolina. Arizona over New England. 
Miami over the New York Jets, Cleveland over Jacksonville, New Orleans over Denver, Los Angeles Rams over San Francisco, Kansas City over Tampa Bay, Green Bay over Chicago, and Seattle over Philadelphia. Uh, so with that in the rear view, I'm also going to do a local shout out. Um, this Saturday is Small Business Saturday, of course. So if you do happen to be out and about, uh, please make sure to patronize your local small businesses or shop online if, if they've got that option and a website as well. We should be helping those guys out as much as we can anyways throughout the year. But I think right now, of course, is, a, is an especially vital time with all the hardships that small business owners have faced this year. For me, I'll shout out another one of uh, Brownsburg's local businesses. You guys know I like to do that. Superior Garage Door Systems Incorporated. Uh, my garage door is just a constant source of frustration, basically, since it's been installed. And it got messed up once again. However, uh, Superior actually just left a little bit ago. I uh, had, to, had to pause the recording, and they got us fixed up just right. Uh, so I am looking forward to working with them again if my garage door ever were to go bad again rather than uh, calling around or trying to rely on who we'd been using before. If you're in the central Indiana area or you know, you're having garage door issues and you're looking to get a new one, give them a call at 317-858-3667. That's all for today's show, everybody. Thanks for being with me as always. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Please be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at JakeArthurNFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as JakeArthur underscore on Instagram. My written work, as always, can be found on Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot me an email. You'll hear from us again after Sunday's game as we break down the action. Stay safe and have a great weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.